Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. I'm Matt Southcombe and today I'm joined by rugby writers Dami Parfit and Andy Howell. Let's jump straight in, chaps. Um, first talking point, I think there's been a few uh, in the last week or so. I think the first one is going to be James Davis at the Scarlets. Uh, picked up a three-week three, three week ban. Um, was initially four weeks, but it was reduced to three for his um, language and his gestures in the Toulon defeat. Uh, we don't quite know what he said. There's no confirmation, but there's a suggestion that there might have been a Foxtrot Oscar in there at some point. Uh, what's your take on that? Well, he, he got caught, didn't he? TV picked him up, and uh, it's impossible these days to, to get away with anything. Anything as Dylan Hartley also found out for his uh, challenge on Sean O'Brien. I think James Davis, he, he lost his head a bit. Uh, he, he, you know, there's there's always bad language on a, on a field, let's face facts, but there's uh, but it's very rare you see that sort of. Uh, uh, Gesture, and I think it's the gesture that's really got him in hot water. I think he would have got away with a swing. Otherwise, three week ban, I think, is about right. Del, do you think the punishment um, the punishment fits the crime? About right. Yeah, I've got no real issues with the punishment. Um, I, I think, I think James will will be gutted with with what he's done. To be quite honest, because uh, he was such a, a great ambassador for Wales when he was with the Olympics uh, sevens team. He really was. I think he's a great player. Um, he's a, a different type of guy, um, bubbly personality, and you know, not afraid to um, you know to, to to banter with people. But uh, you know, I think he's been, as Andy said, he was caught out there, and, and you know, if I from what I can gather of um, the type of guy he is, he, he'll be gutted with it. And, and to be fair to him, he put his hand up straight away and apologised. So um, I think we move on from it now, and hopefully, he, he has. Uh, he has learnt learnt a bit of a lesson. Yeah, I think you know he is a good blog, James. He's a cracking lad, and I think he will realise. Hang on, I shouldn't have done that. I was teaching the kids the wrong message. I think that apology that they put out um, the day I think it was the day or day or two before the ban um, saved him a little bit because I I thought that the book was going to be thrown out in here because I worry about the message that will send out to youngsters yeah. and things like that. Yeah. I thought you know for for swearing on a rugby field, we don't know if it was directed at the referee or not. Um, but I think that's the difference, Matt. I think if it's if it is actually explicitly directed at the referee, um, then it's really naughty. I think general swearing, again, you, you, you can never, TV yeah, time, you, can, you can never condone coming. it, but it yeah. goes on, you know. Um, so yeah, of course, the Scarlets now they they have they've said they're not going to sack him, which they could have. Did you ever think uh, that was a possibility? Well, a real no, possibility? No, it wasn't because they played a blinder, didn't they? The Scarlets, they came out, you know, they uh, came out with all this stuff. I, you know, his apology, he made apology. They played it really well, you know, they sent out a good message and it, it helped them, you know, mitigating circumstances almost when he had the, uh, when he was up in front of the disciplinary uh, beaks. Uh, never going to be sacked, no, but of course they could still fine him. Do you think that a fine is, is coming for, from the Scarlets? Um... I, w- I, w- I wouldn't be too sure. I, I pro- probably not. I, I think it w- probably would be justified, mm. but I don't think um, we're quite in a sort of football situation with Welsh regional rugby where we see guys getting fined two weeks' wages or anything like that because uh, it hits uh, probably hit uh, Welsh rugby players uh, a damn sight harder than guys who are earning under a grand a week. But uh, you know, there you have it. We'll, we'll we'll have to wait and see. On yeah, that. you know, he has thrown himself into community work. Uh, not only this week, but in in the past, you know, I know he's turned up and helped coach uh, uh, kids sessions at uh, Hendy and places like that. And also, maybe they'll go down that road. Say, James, you'd have to go out around the region and do something with the clubs, oh, you yeah. know, mini clubs, junior rugby, yeah, and all yeah, that. He'll get community service. <laughs> <laughs> 
Alright then chaps, moving on. Um, sticking with the discipline theme, uh, we move on to Dylan Hartley, England sucker um, and captain. Uh, six week ban, uh, entry point of five weeks, plus two for bad behaviour, uh, which is putting it mildly, and minus one for a guilty plea. The forearm to Sean O'Brien, punishment fit the crime, Andy? Not when you uh, take into account his uh, previous his offences, he'd already been banned for a year and uh, two weeks doing his uh, checkered uh, career and I think that's got to count for something you know he is a, a serial offender is Mr Hartley and um, yeah he caught he did a, he caught O'Brien in the head O'Brien was uh, slipping a bit but it was a cheap shot from behind the Irish guy didn't even see it uh, uh, come in I think Hartley this is typical of rugby uh, when it comes to dealing with such uh, high profile names as the uh, uh, as, as the England uh, captain that they tend to go soft and all because it's rugby all in, in it together it's a bit of an old boys uh, network I think he should have had a minimum of 12 weeks myself Let's, you know, we, we mentioned that he's got previous let's just point out now he's been before this he was banned for 54 weeks of his career Yes. incidents such as gouging biting elbowing headbutting abusing an official yeah. to name a few yeah. the only um, thing he hasn't been banned for is stamping there you go Hmm. But uh, bearing all that in mind, Dale, I know you've written something this morning um, on this. You think it should have been more as well? I do, and I think the timing of it is is key. Uh, world rugby issues, these di- new directives due to come out on January the 3rd about uh, tightening up on anything to do with contact with the head. And, and on the very same day, they, 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 they deem that six weeks is an appropriate punishment for... For, for a reckless act like that to me it should have been three months uh, and, and unless rugby starts to send out proper messages in, in its judicial process on acts like these then it can't then you know play the, the great sort of uh, custodian of the game and oh we're dealing with concussion is that's the problem with it for me it's it, the, the entire disciplinary uh, structure in rugby is just inconsistent um, and I think Andy's right. There, there are too many high-profile big names, and especially when tournaments are on the horizon, like like the Six Nations, who just don't get off, who yeah. get off um, is it, lightly. Is it a coincidence that Hartley's ban ends a week before the Six mm. Nations? There's, there's only a few people who can answer that, and that's mm. the uh, disciplinary committee. Let me ask you this, Endell: If that was a Tongan or a Samoan hooker who'd made that challenge, would he get six weeks? I'll answer that. I'll answer that, Matt, if you don't mind. He would Sorry, Del, Andy wants to come in. No, yeah, because I'm uh, you know, annoyed by this. Because uh, if it was a Tongan or Samoan or something, gone Argentine, on Italian, they would have got a lot more of this, especially if they had um, Hartley's spreadsheet of uh, previous offences. They would have had a lot more. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if it was one of them would have ended up getting 30 weeks. Thirty. Yeah, well, it is. Rugby is discriminatory, isn't it, against the second-tier nations? You see it all the time with disciplinary decisions. Del, just to play devil's advocate here, um, countless times, and anybody who's played the game will have been in the position where an opponent is being tackled, he's fallen to the ground, and you think, ooh, I can lay one on him here. And Hartley's just come off the bench, he's keen to make an impact, he's seen O'Brien, who is being tackled. I'm not, I'm not saying that what he's done is right, but and I don't think he is going in intentionally trying to take Sean O'Brien's head off but can you see why he has gone in in such an aggressive manner I, 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 I could potentially see why he's done it but there's still no excuse for it Matt I don't think uh, okay. I, I agree with you I think he was probably initially aiming for the top of his back or his shoulders 
and it's just unfortunate that, that O'Brien was going to ground. But you look at where the arm comes from mm. and, and the, the swing, yeah. and, and that really, for me, is the clincher. It yeah. was a, it was a, from from what I can see, it was a deliberate attempt to, like you say, to land one on him, and um, yeah. he's been caught as players always are these days because you can't get away. Yeah, you know, you know, he came in with a straight arm, as simple as that. He was trying to do damage. Why didn't he come in with a smother? To wrap him up, smother, uh, smother, smother them, smother tightly. Never, because he was intention was to put his intention was to give O'Brien a hefty knock, and me, who knows? O'Brien went off. You know, he had to go off the injury. And he never returned. Yeah. He this had an HII. And what concerns me, Dylan Hartley plays for Northampton. His teammate is George North, who we know has had a number of concussions. He's currently sidelined again. It, what might have happened if he'd done that to George North? To George, you don't know, dear. And, and what would have happened if O'Brien had, had, had been knocked unconscious? And, and there's no good saying, oh, that wouldn't have been enough. To, any blow to the head, you can get unlucky with mm. and, and, and can render someone unconscious. Mm. And yeah. I think if that had happened, there would have been... A longer would, would, he, would he have got six weeks then? If O'Brien had been stretched off with a serious injury and out and all that, with all the hoo-ha, then rugby would have reacted to it and he would have got a lot more than six weeks. He would be out of the Six Nations. Fair enough. Just to be clear, I'm not condoning what Hartley's done before everybody starts tweeting me. I was just trying to play devil's advocate. I hope you're not, Matt. Brief moment there. Um, anyway, he was a front runner to be Lions captain before this. I think everybody accepted that. He'd cleaned up his act for a year. Um, it was starting to look like a masterstroke from Eddie Jones making him England captain. Mm. Obviously, mm. placed a lot of faith in Hartley. Yeah, I know that, Matt, but because the day that the, before his sending off, a few hours later, uh, I did a piece went up online saying that uh, naming my Lions team and having him as a captain. Want to accommodate this curse, but I fell for the Dylan Hartley story. He's a reformed character and been in trouble. Eddie Jones did, done a great job and all. And I was sort of seduced by that. I'm afraid I've got it hopelessly wrong. There's no way the Lions can risk having Dylan Hartley. As captain in New Zealand, he's a New Zealander, and I saw in the 2011 World Cup when I was over there, Australia saw Quade Cooper, uh, not Australia, New Zealand saw Quade Cooper as public enemy number one. That's what he was called in the newspapers, public enemy number one. They did everything they could, the media, the public, to get under, uh, to get at Quade Cooper to put him off his game because they saw him as the biggest threat to New Zealand winning the um, uh, winning the World Cup. And it'd be the same with Dylan Hartley. If Dylan Hartley is Lions captain, they will be chasing Dil- Dylan Hartley to try and get him to erupt, which he does on uh, all too uh, too often. Imagine Hartley's playing now in the first test, second test, or third test, and he gets sent off early in the game against the All Blacks. That's the game gone. Could be the series gone. Matt, Matt D- Dylan Hartley will—he'll be England captain for as long as Eddie Jones deems that his leadership skills outweigh the fact that. Jamie George is a better player, and and I think you look at you look at Hartley at Northampton. He's he's been injured with a a back problem. He's missed a lot of games because of that this season. Then he comes back, and now he's facing a ban. I wouldn't be surprised if this is Hartley on his way out at Northampton, and I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the Six Nations, uh, this Lions question is answered on the grounds of. Hartley's own form. I, I I really think that he might be overtaken in the England pecking order before the end of that tournament, and then Gatland won't really have you, to deal with that, that yeah, question. Here's one to consider: the guy who will captain uh, would probably is the next captain of England is uh, Owen Farrell. There could be a situation now where Eddie Jones goes with Jamie jo- uh, George, and I agree with Dell. Jamie George is a better player than Hartley. Farrell captains England during the Six Nations. They carry on their winning streak. 
Owen Fowle could yet end up as a Lions captain. Well, Gatlin said he's going to pick uh, his captain based on form. Well, he's picking on form in the Six Nations if they're going to be in the squad, and then the captain will come from that. So, I mean, if your theory is right, then Farrell does impress. We, you know, maybe he will be. But well, he's, he's a banker, isn't he, for the uh, oh, he's, to go he's in, in, in yeah, the Lions, and it's uh, then it comes down to where he plays. Does he play at, at the inside centre, or does Jamie Roberts come back in the pecking order, or Robbie uh, Enshaw? play at 12 or does Fowl end up in the Lions test team at number 10 it's an interesting one it is an interesting one uh, moving on then George North um, more developments on his situation last night um, there's obviously the investigation is still ongoing we're expecting to f- get the findings from that um, this afternoon but uh, Malander said last night Jim Malander Saints boss said that uh, the specialist had cleared North of any symptoms of concussion um, but he did say that the specialist pointed out that even though North can't remember being concussed at any point, but he can remember the whole of the incident, there is still a chance that North was knocked unconscious, and as such, the situation is being treated as if North has suffered a concussion. Um, it's a tricky one. He's not going to play for a few weeks yet, as Northampton have pointed out, but what do you make of those developments, Andy Hull? Well, someone explain to me what they actually mean. Because... Um, Surely you either can cast or, 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 or you're not. Um, okay, they, why treat him for uh, concussion when he didn't have concussion? So it's, it seems a strange one to me. You don't treat someone for a bad arm if they haven't got a bad arm, do you? I think so, what, what, uh, what they're trying to they, say is... Uh, well, I think it is. I think the situation is now. They, they are, you know, are, uh, being cautious. They're not going to... In theory, if he hasn't been concussed, he could play this weekend. But clearly they're not, and they say you, you know, saying are we treating him as that to give him an added rest to make sure there isn't any, uh, you know, there isn't anything underlying. If nothing else, Dale, the the, state, the quotes from Jim Malander struck a very sort of conciliatory tone. Um, there seems to have been a fair bit of backtracking from that initial statement that was put out by Northampton Saints. What have you made of the whole sort of? Saga. Well, I think it's it's about to, to close. I think with um, the ruling that we're expecting on on whether proper processes were followed. I suspect that they will find that they were, um, and, we'll, and and that'll be the end of it. I think the most important thing is is that North, um, as the doctors seem to be saying, actually what wasn't concussed, which is which is brilliant because he hasn't got many lives left in terms of of that particular injury, as we know. Um, and I just think I, I just can't wait to see the end of it, to be honest, because um, it's been a long and drawn-out saga, and, and I think it's already the concussion issue has has taken a fair bit from North's game in the last year or so, and I don't think this is going to help one bit going into the Six Nations in terms of his confidence. Um, so, you know. We'll just have to wait and see. The thing that concerned me most with this latest incident is that Northampton medical people didn't have access, or apparently, so they claimed didn't have access to all the pictures which were being shown on television at the time. Now I find that staggering because you know the television viewers thought the North was was out, but uh, you know it didn't look too good, and. Uh, Yet they came out Northampton's late and said they didn't have access to all the pictures. If they had, they wouldn't have sent him back on. I suppose it is a concern if uh, if that is true and the, the medics don't have access to the same footage that the rest of us do. That's uh, that's more than a concern. Really, it brings the whole system down. But doesn't sh- it? Surely you'd have someone sat in a stand or in a, in a box there. 
looking or at the TV or you, or, or, or uh, you, pictures with put, the radio link. Do you put a medic in with a TMO as a matter of course? Mm. Yeah, that's a, well, there's all sorts of things. That, that's a good that's idea, been, like a game medic. Like an independent mm. uh, sort of doctor. Yeah, it's mm. not a bad shot. Uh, right then, moving on uh, to Europe and the Pro 12 teams and the Welsh teams. Um, good weekend for the Pro 12 teams and eight wins. Um, equals a record set in 2006-2007 season. What does that tell us about the Pro 12? Oh, it's, 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 it's getting better, definitely. The qualification route into uh, Europe has made it a more interesting league. The Pro 12 has definitely more edge on it. And, and um, teams are, you know, putting more resource into the Pro 12. But I think the biggest thing, what it says about it, is the Irish have, uh, are back. They've been rebuilding their teams for the last two or three years. Their promises, you know, uh, Brian O'Driscoll, Gordon Darcy, David Wallace, Paul O'Connell, you know, there's loads more have all retired, that golden generation. But uh, it's clear looking at some of their uh, young prospects, Jack McGarr, Guy Furlong, uh, Joey Carberry, uh, you've got uh, obviously Henshaw, uh, uh, Gary Ringrose, they've got some outstanding players coming through their uh, system. And, uh, and 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 how quickly they're rebuilding compared to some of the Welsh regions. So I think they're back on the game. I watched Elsa against Claremont last weekend, and it was one of the best matches I've seen in years. Fantastic advert for uh, for rugby. Uh, of course, it's early days in Europe. We're at the half, halfway stage of the um, competition, and they got re, uh, they got the rematches to come against those teams who were uh, heavily beaten, like Leicester were hammered by Munster, and um, and. Uh, Lenson's had a brilliant job on Northampton away, didn't they? So that, yeah. And the Welsh teams, Welsh teams, Scarlets are very competitive in Toulon. You know, very competitive. They had more chances in that game. Didn't take them, suffered from white line fever. Where Ospreys, Challenge Cup, Grenoble, massive win in Grenoble. Of course, Grenoble didn't want to know from when the competition started. They don't want to even be in a tournament. Yeah, great, the Ospreys did that. More significant was the Blues. Beat, uh, beat Bath at the Arms Pack to end it, um, a uh, run of defeats. Let's get into that a bit, uh, a bit more then, right? Before, we, before you ruin the rest of the show for me. Oh, sorry, Matt. Mm. Yeah. I won't do a we've thing a, like that. We've got a schedule here. We've got to stick oh, to we? it, son. Oh, right. yeah. right. It was a good win for the Blues, as you say. 28-3 at the Arms Park. Um, and the boy Alex Cuthbert. Talk to me. Yeah, Cuthbert had a really good game. What was particularly pleasing is that Cuthbert... Uh, doesn't seem to have lost confidence on the back of his uh, torrid uh, autumn with uh, Wales when nothing went right for him. He was a gain for the Blues. He looks like he enjoys playing for them. Goes looking for the ball, shows up in midfield, um, playing off the uh, the outside half. And uh, he, he wasn't a bad division, he, but he played. You know, he played as well as uh, I've seen him play for quite a while. He was hungry for work. He was hustling opponents. Um, got a try. It was one of those games where you think he could end up getting three or four tries in this. Played uh, parts in a couple of other tries as well. Had a really good game and he got a standing ovation when he brought him off near the end. Is, bearing that in mind then, Dell, is he in danger of becoming one of those players who gets bracketed in the very good at regional level, can't quite produce on the international stage? Yeah, I think he is. I'm a, but I, we've seen him produce on the international stage, albeit some time ago now. I mean... It wasn't just the Lions tour. I remember he had, he had a good tour of South Africa in 2014 yeah. as well. Yeah, it's um, like Robocop yeah, in the second test. I, I, think it's a, I think it's a confidence thing. Mm. I really do. He he needs a, a game for Wales. And uh, who knows how many chances he'll get in the Six Nations where he gets a couple of tries. And I honestly think that you might then see his fortunes change 
properly. You know, um, you, you know, when he was on top of his game, he was a lethal try scorer. He just had a habit of scoring tries. But if you, you look at you look at Cuthbert, you look at George North as well. They've both been suffering uh, for Wales for as long as each other, really. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Um, Obviously, it's decent competition, isn't it? If you could play half penny on a wing, we've got Liam Williams, Keelan Giles, the new the new thing. Yeah. Uh, so Wales actually, if everyone was on form, they would have some really good wingers to pick from. And Bath, um, sorry, Cardiff Blues go to the wreck uh, for the return fixture. Uh, Different kettle of fish, Matt. Jonathan Joseph, George Ford, Francois Lowe. Our own uh, Bay Falatel coming back into the mix. Yeah. Different yeah. animal. Well, last week Bath made seven changes from the side to beat uh, Saracens the week before in the Reboot Premiership. Uh, Todd Blackadder said it was their worst performance of the season. Uh, and he says they're a lot better team than that and they're going to prove it this week. Uh, if Bath happen to get five match points from it and the Blues get nothing, it'll put uh, Bath level with them at the uh, top of the group and perhaps in uh, control of it. Blues need to go, go over there and either... Uh, Obviously, win the game be fantastic or restrict Bath. I think getting something from that game for the blue, from the Blues' point of view, whether it be just one point or whatever, that, that, that means be. they stay in command of the group. Exactly. So that, I think that needs to be the target for Danny Wilson's men this evening. Uh, Dell, the Ospreys, Andy mentioned they went to Grenoble, won fifty nine seven, but there was a bit of a pitch farce. I don't know if you guys were following this on Thursday, yeah. but um, turn up to the ground. Well, actually, Steve Tandy said Bigger went for a kicking session the day before and raised concerns there and then that the pitch was too hard. Steve Tandy then went down at three o'clock in the afternoon on the day of the game, uh, raised and, in his own words, made a bit of a fuss. Um, they put the blowers on it, but it was too little too late. Uh, they turned up for the game and it was eventually called off about half hour before kickoff. Uh, is that kind of thing acceptable? No, it's, it's, it's not. It's shocking organisation on the part of Grenoble, I think. Uh, and But then again, it might have done the Ospreys a favour because by the looks of it, it was an angry performance from them. It was almost as if Tandy or, and the other coaches had used that as motivation. Um, Andy's right, Grenoble rolled over, but you, know, you, you can't... Uh, take anything away from the Ospreys in terms of the way they put that game to bed and, and they've already won in France in the group before so it's two wins on French soil I don't care what the circumstances that, that's never to be um, sniffed at I just hope the Ospreys can um, can follow through now in the knockout stages which they'll surely reach because I think that if they can get some momentum I, I think they can, they're capable even though you've got te- a team like Bath um, and other, some other strong sides I think the, the Ospreys can win this Well, at, yeah, at the moment they're the bookmakers favourites yeah I don't think they should fear anyone they've got a good squad the Ospreys strong squad and they're playing some uh, good rugby so, you know while they're going in Pro 12 as well this group is theirs they're going to get a home draw aren't they if they carry on simple as that because they're going to be one of the top four seeds uh, we can't talk about this game without mentioning Keelan Giles again sorry Rob Howley um, I know you told us to stop talking about him but we can't uh, score another fantastic try out of nothing pure gas I looked at the um, the stats earlier this week for the Challenge Cup and it is literally clean line breaks Keelan Giles most metres game Keelan Giles top try scorer Keelan Giles people will say yeah you're playing against teams that are not taking this competition seriously but he can only beat the players that are in front of him yeah absolutely and doesn't he just do that yeah but he's just a really good all round rugby player he knows exactly what he's doing uh, he's a team player as well he's not just an individual who runs off by himself like an does chicken he's a really good uh, footballer and uh, you know, you, you, don't forget as well. He's done it as well in Pro 12 for the Ospreys. 
and uh, for Wales under 20 last season he was one of the best um, under 20 players in the world you know he was doing it on the international stage uh, Delhi, the talk is from the Ospreys camp that they're going to rest their big name players this weekend with Grenoble coming to the Liberty Stadium I know Alan Wynne-Jones and Justin Tipperick are two names that have been told they're having the weekend off that said should we still be expecting a W from the Ospreys? Oh without a doubt I mean uh, I think um, Grenoble probably their entire squad will have the weekend off this weekend <laughs> the academy boys uh, so um, yes I think so I think there's no doubt about it. if you just come back to Keelan Giles I think um, assuming he goes well or solidly in the, the Christmas derbies I think he should start for Wales in the first game out in Italy mm. uh, and if that's at the expense of George North so be it uh, people that say oh you know what about him, him in defence well he can't be any worse in defence than North mm. so for me if it's if it's if it's half penny Liam Williams and Keelan Giles as a back three great that's what I think the back three should be at the moment okay. I, I really do I think it's, uh, it's yeah. time it's time w- Wales need they've got to get a spark from somewhere exactly. and this, this guy can give yeah. it to them yeah, you know, what will Italy want Wales to do? Run straight into Italy, aren't they? All mm. day. But Italy struggle when teams uh, use their footwork, uh, elusive, and uh, a skill. And that's how you open the Italians I, I can, up. I can honestly see someone like him, he, even as young and as raw as he is, going, going to Rome and, and getting a hat-trick of tries. Yeah, mm. I could honestly see that. He could be the difference between Wales winning and losing that match because mm. it's going to be a torrid encounter potentially. Mm. Fair enough. Uh, moving on to the Scarlets then, Andy, you covered this one for us. 31-20 loss down in Toulon, um, but they by no means disgraced themselves down there. Not at all, they got off to a poor start, there were some missed tattles, maybe they were a little bit overawed by Toulon at the start, but it's not the, uh, even though they still got stars, it's not the Toulon uh, team of old, of old. they are rebuilding a bit. And then once the Scarlets got some belief and started throwing a ball around, they uh, made some uh, significant uh, progress. Uh, by shifting the ball wide where they did suffer though they had a golden patch just after half time should have scored a couple more tries themselves but when they got in the, tw- they got in the 22 by moving the ball getting outside the Toulon's rush defence but when they got in the 22 guess what happened the old white line fever they suffer for, they continue to suffer from that de- disease one up runners run straight into the remnants of the Toulon defence and got it held up scarlet fever, fever and white line fever and white, yeah it's a nasty that's the, uh, That's the combination. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, but if they moved the ball, another one or two passes, they'd be walking over in the corner. But the old blinkers came on. Um, Jonathan Davis wasn't playing in that one. Did they miss the Fox? Not really, because I would argue their best centre is at Hadley Parks anyway. The New Zealander, who mm. wouldn't surprise me if he plays for Wales sometime in the future when he qualifies on uh, residency. He's just a really good nuts and bolts player who does the basics very well and is an accurate uh, uh, passer. No, they didn't actually miss... Uh, uh, Miss Jonathan the Wings did well as well Steph Evans had another good game and D.T.H. Uh, Randomura he was really into everything Should we be talking about Steph Evans in the Wales picture? Not really because the defence he defended better last week but what I've seen, I've seen quite a bit of him he's good with, decent with the ball though he does kick it away sometimes in opposition uh, territory but I don't think his defence is quite there yet for international rugby okay. He's got a future ahead of him um, Tell the talk was on this podcast last week that if the Scarlets game against Toulon was at Parky Scarlets the first game and we'd be back in the Scarlets to win it but they've gone to Toulon they've lost coming back to Llanelli now do, do we think they can get a, a W out of this one? Depends what they throw at it uh, Matt if they throw a, a, a really strong side at, at the game I think I think they can 
um, and if if they're if they're on the money, if they're right at it from the word go, then yeah, they can. I think it's it's all up to them. Um, Toulon will have more quality, we know that, but I, I, I it's just how motivated I, for me, the Scarlets are to to win this. I think if they if they bring their game heads, then yeah, on their own on their own turf they can, and I think I think they you know, they owe, they owe their supporters a, a win. You know, everyone wrote them off, and understandably so for the strength of the pool. But you know, they need they need to take something from from this campaign, and and a, and a win against Toulon would 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 be something. Matt, it wasn't lack of quality. It cost them last week. It was a lack of but Toulon just had that too much power early on, especially when they had a lot of ball on the front foot. So they had they got lots of forward power. The driving lineouts, of course, they had Bastero and Nono in midfield who just bashed it up, and uh, the Scalas found it difficult. To, uh, to deal with uh, Bastero, you know, when he's working off such a good ball. Toulon will be right, sure, should be right up for it this weekend because it's make of a break for both teams in Europe. You know, Salsons have won at Toulon. You would have thought they're going to carry on running away with the group, going to go through as group winners. It'd be hard for a runner up to go through from this group, I would imagine. Uh, it's particularly if Toulon were to lose at the Scarlets. Scarlets can keep their hopes alive by uh, winning, should be a cracker. Okay, and finally, guys, the Dragons. Um Lost 33-20 at Worcester. Um, the bottom line is the scrum went to pot in the second half. Dragon sending Delta to sleep. You're Matt again. Yeah. But yeah the, the scrum went to pot second half. Not there were two, yeah. two penalty tries uh, awarded to Worcester. Um, no platform for the Dragons and it was just a, a poor afternoon all round, I guess. Well, when you weigh it up, Worcester had made 14 changes from the side that lost the, uh, lost the previous week in the Reba Premiership. They won one match in the Reba Premiership all season. They're a poor team. Dragons went up there with a decent side. Should be winning those type of matches. Uh, I think it was only 7-6 the Worcester at half time, but the Dragons it? have been up against 13 men for part of that half. Yeah. They still couldn't score, but that second half uh, capitulation, it's, uh, you know, it's worse than what happened in Leinster the previous weekend, I'd suggest. And that was bad enough. The, the trouble was they were on top. For, for most of the first half, they were they were leading through a Angus O'Brien drop goal and penalty, and Worcester scored right on the stroke of half time. But the bottom line was, for all their territory and possession, they just simply couldn't score. That must be infuriating for the fans, though. Yeah, it is. I mean, the pity is is that the Dragons have used this to- this tournament in the last couple of years to, you know, give themselves a bit of a fillip, and yeah. and it just hasn't hasn't really happened. Uh, I, I again, I think. If you go back to it, I think confidence is a massive issue for them. Um, and I think um, maybe the way one or two of their players have reacted to, to criticism in the media shows that they are under pressure and you know they realise themselves that they should be doing better in these games considering the circumstances, like Andy mentioned, the weakened sides mm-hmm. and the fact that, uh, you know, really, um, if, they, if they're taking their first choice um, to venues like that, um, yeah. They need to be having more of a say. What, what annoys me about the Dragons, I've covered a fair bit of them recently, and I've seen them beat the Pro Top Champions Connaught, they've beaten the Scarlets in the Anglo Welsh, beaten Edinburgh, uh, they've beaten a good brief side, you know, they've won four in a row at home, they played really well at home, yet they am taking that form away. Uh, if they played like they uh, if they taken their home form away, I'm sure they could have won against the Leinster side that was picked, which was the second string. And uh, and would have been easily good enough to win at Worcester, but they seem to have got you know. Is it a case that 
Dragons just concentrate in the players' minds, you know, on uh, home games. And when they go away, it's like what people used to say about French clubs, they hopeless away. Mm, I remember them going up to Newcastle last year, or was it the year yeah. before? And yeah. they, they, they played some fantastic rugby. I remember Hallam Amos getting a couple yeah. of great tries up there. And, you know. Well, and last season in this uh, tournament in Europe, they won across, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally written off, won across in the quarterfinals. Yeah. You know, when was that? Last, uh, last April? Year, yeah. yeah. Oh, this April, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, mentioned. Some of the players' reactions. Uh, I know his captain Lewis Evans had a bit of a thinly veiled dig at you for your coverage of uh, the last few games in his newspaper column. I know you went down for a chat with Lewis uh, in the press conference in midweek. Uh, always front up. Always front up. What what was the uh, atmosphere like down there? Was he all right? Yeah, it was great down there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah, he's entitled to his point of view. There's, uh, you know, it's, it's up to you know, it's up to him. He's entitled to that. Uh, yeah, that. Um, yeah, we had a chat uh, about you know about it. Uh, he claimed, of course, uh, he claimed there was a bias because we were based in Cardiff towards uh, Cardiff Blues in his column, and he uh, he claimed my coverage was uh, such to cover up the inadequacies of the Blues who at that time had lost like uh, four in a row. I did put him uh, straight on that, but of course he's uh, he's entitled he's entitled to uh, uh, Vice's opinions as captain. He accepted some of the things I said, and he and I accepted some of the things. He said I had a lovely welcome. I really enjoyed the afternoon. In fact, as you know, Matt, because you were trying to get in touch with me, I was up there that morning at home till uh, six o'clock, and I was there for three o'clock. So I had a good <laughs> three hours with him. Were refreshments served? Yes, we had some. Uh, uh, well, a nice cup and all that. You know, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Great. Yeah, oh, nice afternoon. Yeah. Very quickly then, can the Dragons turn it around this week? Well, they're at home again, so I would imagine at, uh, at home they're a different animal. I'm expecting them to uh, to win tomorrow night. And, uh, you know, as I told Lewis the other day, I'll be over that report on them, warts and all. There you go. Yeah. All right, chaps. There's we plenty of them. <laughs> all right, chaps, we leave it there. Thanks for joining us today. Um, head to iTunes. You can subscribe to this podcast over there. Like, review, give us stars, share, do all those nice things for us because we enjoy your support and we enjoy doing these podcasts. Um, We'll have all the coverage of the upcoming regional matches on Wales Online and all the fallout, so make sure you stay tuned.